mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. The holidays are over and it's time to return to the serious business at hand of what's going wrong with this country. Theresa May's off to Africa to try and cement a few trade deals ahead of the latest Brexit plan for October and she's already dancing in the streets. But meanwhile, back at home, there's a serious increase in knife crime, drug-related violence and general lawlessness. Wouldn't she be better off getting to grips with that instead? Some lessons learned from a new stop-and-search policy at the weekend should be a clue. Looking for criminals is a good idea because guess what? You're normally find them. 0344 499 1000. Daisy is back with me and we'll be discussing why clowns are nearly extinct in Britain and what the future is going to look like. Drones in the sky, scooters on the roads and an end to open plan offices. 0344 499 1000. As if all that wasn't enough we'll be looking at all these new slimming pills on the market some of which might not actually be very safe. You're listening to me Mike Graham and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We're going to be talking to Ken Hines uh, very shortly. We're hopefully going to talk to Ian Duncan Smith as well, uh, who's come up with uh, some more plans about stop and search. They had the Nottingham Carnival this weekend, and it's normally quite a, um, shall we say, sort of crime-ridden event. Now, people will say, no, you're being horrible. It's it's not a crime-ridden event. Well, it kind of is. Um, It's a sort of focal point for an awful lot of crime that particular bank holiday weekend. It's it's had a history of problems between, you know, carnival go, and the police and the police have made huge efforts to to get it right mm. and we know that they introduced these um, you know knife sort of x-ray machines that, yes. that, that people had the to, arches yeah the arches people had to walk through they had a lot of stop and search especially for the carnival and it does seem that the carnival went off without too much trouble there was one stabbing but when you think two million people yeah. a th- sort of three-day party one stabbing compared to previous years. I is mean, it's actually... probably helped by the weather Saturday and Sunday, wasn't it? Because the weather yep. was pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, but basically, yeah, they're saying they got four, they picked up forty nine weapons, a uh, hundred drug offences, uh, seven sex crimes, eighteen police assaults. Uh, basically, as you say, though, only one uh, uh, only one stabbing. And there's a picture in the papers this morning of the police holding a bunch of people up against the wall and yep. searching them for knives and getting a lot of knives as well. Yeah. And. You would have to be quite stupid, I think, to take a knife to the Notting Hill Carnival if you knew that there were going to be 7,000 police looking for people with knives. Um, apparently, they turned a blind eye to a lot of um, the drugs going on, yeah. particularly, the, as the male called it, the hippie crack. Hippie crack. Only the Daily Mail calls it hippie crack, which is a ever. really stupid name. They say, you know, the, uh, the, the so-called hippie crack, but it's only so-called because they yeah. called it hippie crack. And it's actually and it's, it's nitrous oxide. Yeah. It's which, laughing gas, basically, isn't it? It's laughing gas, which people put into balloons and then suck through the balloons and again, yeah. there's a picture of, of a chap walking through the knife arch with a balloon in his mouth, yeah. clearly, you know, inhaling. Can't this. be very good for you, he said, sounding like a very old parent. Well, and it has, it didn't used to be illegal, but it has been made illegal in 2016 under the Psychoactive Substances right. Act. But, you know, I think you kind of pick your fights, don't you? And I think police decided, actively decided, that they were going to turn a blind eye well, exactly. to that drug. Exactly. Far better to take knives off people than to yeah. take those kinds of drugs off them. I know that we'll be talking as well about the Leeds Festival where they took incredible amounts of yeah. drugs from uh, uh, from kids up there. Loads and loads of different uh, 
coloured pills, which yeah. are all ecstasy, apparently. Um, but again, that was the subject of a, a sniffer dog campaign, which the police decided to run. So what it basically proves to me is that if you go looking for crime, i.e. by using stop and search techniques and by using sniffer dogs, then you will find it. Well, of course you'll find it. But is that what your objective is? Because my objective with anything like this is to stop the crime happening in the long run. Yeah. So... Yes, you can go and find people with knives, but you know, surely it's much better to put all your effort into trying to disband these gangs, get these kids away, the younger, more objectionable, subjective um, kids, get them away from the clutches of the gang leaders. Well, you say that, to, but, but to, isn't it also better to take the, the knives out of the equation if you can? I mean, because yeah, but they only the day, get another knife. All well, I'm saying well, is, they might not, not gonna, though. They might not. not. If, you, if you take the knife off them and you make it clear to them that you know, if they get caught again with a knife, they will be charged and they will be put in some kind yeah. of youth offending institution they may think twice about doing it again absolutely i think what i'm saying is that it has its uses but it's a small use and if you're going to make any proper inroads i mean it's a hideous cliche but tough on crime and tough on the causes Mm. of crime is true the only way you know if you look at um, cities and countries that have really brought their crime statistics down significantly they've had a multi-pronged multi-agency approach so not just stop and search stop and search can only be one little the most visible and but there's the very most few places but there are very few places where they have managed to make crime disappear because the drug culture for example now is such that there is so much money to be made there is ludicrous numbers numbers of people wanting to get involved in drug uh, the drug business because it's so uh, well rewarded well one place that has done it with with amazing success is Glasgow and it's interesting because this uh, Ian Duncan Smith report which we're going to be talking about a lot today he is quoting Glasgow but I think I don't know whether it's journalists being lazy or whether it's in his report and I will definitely ask him about it but I think it's um it's disingenuous to say that an increase in stop and search in Glasgow was the reason that they brought their crime down. It was one very small element of a really big initiative that they ran using um, all the different agencies. So using you know, the health, education, social workers, yeah. absolutely everything. And they had huge success. Well, also, Glasgow is a very different place to London for it a is. start. And London, I mean, I've lived in Glasgow and I know Glasgow very well. And it does not have a massively uh, huge drug problem. It does not have a massively huge knife problem. And it does not have a massively huge gang problem either um it does it did have a a very big knife problem and it was at one point it was the murder capital of the world oh rubbish it was no that's rubbish that is complete nonsense all right i'll find you the statistics that's complete nonsense no i I, I know exactly what the statistic is they had more than 50 murders um we've had more than 50 murders this year they had this is like these stories when people were saying oh london's now more dangerous than new york well new york is one of the safest cities in the world now because hardly any any crime gets committed there but let's talk to ken hines uh, who's a stop and search campaigner uh, not for it by the way against it uh, and a community activist ken how are you this time yes i'm hoping to get through because i've got something important to say good can you hear me well i can now hear you properly thank you please carry on I'm not against stop and search. I'm against the way that it's been used. It's it's been used as racial profiling. This is why we've got the huge number in disproportionality that the black young men are being stopped. It's only a tiny, tiny fraction of a minority that is using the violence. And I can't understand why they're using stop and search in um, in this way. Well, I mean, they're not really, are they? I mean, the point is they haven't really been using stop and search for for many a year. The Metropolitan Police, I'm reading this morning, used stop and search 700,000 times uh, in 2008. Uh, Last year, it was only 100,000 times. So, I mean... And in in 2012, it used it over a million times. Yeah. So let's let's, let's get our figures right. Well, was, was was there more crime in 2012 or less? 
Uh, well, there wasn't. But what it, what it was, the backlash from the 2011 riots. Now, the 2011 riots, one of the major, um, major movers on that was the overuse of stop and search, specifically Section 60, no suspicion, where you, if, you were, if you were black, you were 37 times more likely to be stopped and searched than if you were white. Now, again, they were at unacceptable levels. Now, what happened is, as a consequence of that, it got reduced in 20, 2016, 2017 by 90-odd percent. Now, let me tell you this much here. In 2018, we are now finding a rise in the use of the overuse of the Section 60, and that's very worrying because past history will show to you, show to me, that we are heading for another major public disorder. Now, if you want to... No, if 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 my memory serves me right, I think the Tottenham riots were started by the shooting by the police of of a man in a car, right? Mark, Mark Duggan, but yeah. the escalation in the violence was the overuse of Section 60. Look in the report, it's called Four Days in August, even that's by, by the police that they have acknowledged that was the overuse of the police that caused the country nationwide um, violence that, that, that resulted after the Mark Duggan shooting. So it says, uh, again, in, in uh, a piece of uh, information I'm reading here, a gun is fired illegally every six to nine hours in London. I don't know why we keep hearing, for example, that the drug gangs are all being run by young black men. I know police officers who have told me quite frequently that the Eastern European gangs are far more dangerous in this country as far as the drug running is concerned than any black gang. So why are they not focusing on that? You're absolutely right, because you've got organised crime that is driving the violence. And, and, and we, in the black community, don't bring guns from overseas. They're, they're, they're brought here by somebody else and given to, given to, to, to these um, volatile youngsters. Now, what I'm saying quite clearly, I want to see um, these violent offenders taken off our streets. But we're not going to do that when we're alienating that very community that's, that's been disproportionately affected by the violence, both as perpetrators and victims. We need to have a different approach by the police. And it's irresponsible for senior politicians, senior police officers, to talk up, stop and search and say it's a Panasonic, Panasonic for, for all our wounds. It's not going to happen. But, Ken, do you, do you agree with me way. that... Sorry, Kenton. Do you agree with me that um, stop and search can play a small part in a much wider policy that includes other agencies, such as the policy they had um, in Glasgow, which, which was the Violence Reduction Unit, as they called it, with central money from the Scottish government that went social workers, education, health and police to work across. And that had a huge beneficial impact um, on the crime rate. And knife crime particularly came down um, 40 percent and murders halved. You're right about two things. First of all, Glasgow was the capital um, centre for murder uh, at one stage, and it, and, it turned it, and it turned it around by using the very same policy you just mentioned. The, the way that you have to work, you've got to work with grassroots groups like myself, right, and stop and search, and like father to father, like community against violence. We've got the grassroots groups that's out there that can help bridge the gap between the police and, and these um, young people. Now, what's happening quite clearly is, is that the police, whenever there's any sort of major trouble, the police are coming in heavy-handed um, under the Section 60. They're um, using what they call the ter- territorial support but we keep But we keep and, hearing, Ken, that the police are actually quite reluctant to do that kind of thing in this day and age because they are scared of being accused of racism. What? 
Well, all I can say to you, and, and, and you can do this off, offline, go on the Met Police Stop and Search um, uh, um, dashboard, and you will see how, in, uh, how it's gone up, like it, particularly in Harringay, it went up from 500 in, 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 in April to nine, almost 900 in April. So if you're telling me they're scared to use it, then I, I beg well, to I'm, Well, well no, you. I'm not suggesting they're scared to use Stop and Search, but you're saying you're, they're going in sort of mob-handed, which suggests that a return to something like the SPG, uh, which used to go on uh, back in the days when Brixton was on fire. That's right. And that's exactly where we're getting back. Because what they're doing, we don't see no police on foot patrol. We don't see them in their ones and twos. We see them in their police carriers in large numbers. And they're jumping out and they're terrorising some of these local young people. And it's not surprising because these local... And what they're terrorising for? Because they're saying they smell cannabis. Cannabis doesn't kill us. It's nice and gun that kill us. So why are they then? Yeah, but Ken, surely you have people. to you have to admit, Ken, there is a problem in this country now with possession of knives, and an awful lot of the crime that is committed is committed by by people who are carrying knives, and an awful lot of stabbings are going on. We've got a rising level of stabbings, so something has to be done, doesn't it? What do you suggest you, you, is done? You're right. You're right. There is a rising tide of people carrying knives, particularly because they say they don't feel safe on the streets. So what we've got to do is that. By you taking them off, because what the young people tell me, uh, that I might prefer to be caught with my knife than be caught without it, because to be caught without it could cost me my life. Now, if they're in that fear factor, we've got to address the fear factor, because no amount of over-policing is going to get to the issue of people being afraid to carry a knife. Right, we've got to stop them carrying knives, yeah. and this is about education, and this is about support from all aspects of the community. As other person said on the line, we've got to work with all different groups yeah. to make it happen. How would you feel, Ken, about say, for example, making it more of a, a punishment criminally to carry a knife? If, for example, I know that uh, in New York City, for example, they had a hand, they brought in a handgun law, which meant if you were caught with a gun, you immediately went to jail for a year. Simple, absolutely no, uh, you know, no uh, stopping to pass go or anything like that. You just went straight to jail for a year. What if we did something like that? Would that help? I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm campaigning for anyone that caught the knife to get a year for every inch of that knife they're carrying. That's good. Because if you really want to make a stop to this, let's make it, let's put that yeah. draconian measure and get these people to, so, so it, 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 it has um, an effect a rippling effect when you've seen your, your mate get 10 years for carrying a, a 10-inch blade, blade um, it, would, it would have an effect in that community that, oh, you know what, and, I'm not going to be doing that. And Ken, you know, without wanting to sound really boring about banging on about Glasgow, but that is one thing that they... She's they like increased. a dog with a bone. I know I am, but I'm right. No, they, you're not right. They tripled, they tripled the sentence for carrying, the average sentence uh-huh. for carrying a knife from four months to 13 yes. months. And that was one of the things that had a real impact. Yeah. So, you know, Ken, yeah, but what I'm this saying is one to thing you, that three of no, us can agree on. No, listen, but the, one, the, the point about Glasgow, and you both said that it was the capital of crime in, in the country and the capital of murder in the world. All of these statistical uh, kind of uh, comparisons mean nothing in the end. I know Glasgow better than both of you, I can promise you that. And Glasgow is nothing like London, nothing like Manchester and certainly nothing like New York City. So it's like solving crime in, you know, somewhere in the middle of o- Oxfordshire and saying, oh, this is a beacon but of Glasgow, light. Glasgow had four and a half um, murders per 100,000 people, means nothing. which was more than double yeah. London. So you're telling me that Glasgow is more dangerous than London? It's a nonsense argument. Well, if, if now, it has, yeah, back, that, that was going back 10 years ago. Yeah, it, well, 10 it's, years it's, ago is when I used to live there. Right. 10 years ago is when that's I lived there. That's exactly what I know about, Ken. Let's talk about something you know about, which is how we stop the problem that we have right now and what you think the police should be doing. 
Now, now, as I said, I work for another group. I'm part of another group called a band of brothers. And what we do, we work with these young men who's who's in the criminal justice system, age 18 to 25, and the people who are likely to carry knives and guns, right? In the the last nine, last uh, 12 months, I've got six of these young men to give up their knives. And the way that we get them to give up their knives is simply by supporting these young men into other alternatives, into work, into dealing with their rage, into dealing with their their struggles and saying to them that it's unacceptable for you to be carrying a knife because that with your paranoid self will mean that you're more unlikely to use that not on the person who you think you're safeguarding yourself from but anyone that you come across and that rage shows his anger you know or that anger exhibits and and, and, and are you confident ken that that will work for everybody and it will last for a long time I'm confident that if we can get to the root problem of why they feel that they don't feel safe on the streets, and then we can tackle that by having people like like Community Against Violence, who has a high presence on these, in, in these hotspot areas, it will give that reassuring factor. And people would eventually, that ripple effect will eventually get to these young people who would then feel that they don't need to carry a knife. But uh, my, the young people quite clearly say, I'd much prefer to be judged by 12 of people in my community than be carried by six of my peers to my grave. No, indeed. So if, so if, so if we can't get over that factor, because there's no point if you're dead, right? And, and, and then you say, so getting, a, getting a jail sentence is much preferable than being dead to, to, to these young people. Mm. So I'm saying to you, let's get to the root cause of why they feel that, that their may, life may be in danger. How, it, 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 it takes a, a, a village to um to secure, to bring up a youngster yeah. and if you don't if you don't show any any kind of uh, um empathy to that young person they may just come back to burn the village down just to feel the heat and, and that's where we are currently and that's so where we are turn that around i agree ken thank you very much indeed we haven't got any more time i'd love to talk to you for longer but we've got to go uh, ken hines there uh, who is of course a campaigner and community activist The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Loving is easy, you have This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 03444991000. The holidays are well and truly over. You may still have children running around uh, who have not yet gone back to school, but they'll be going back soon. Uh, and so it's time to get down uh, to the business of running the country. And I'm afraid Theresa May has failed once again on that front because uh, uh, she's gone off to Africa to so-called sell Britain to Africa, which I'm not really sure uh, is the greatest idea she's ever had because everybody knows that the Chinese now own Africa, don't they? They've pretty much bought it up hook, line and sinker. Well, so they've put a lot of investment in there. It should but, be China she's going to, shouldn't it? Well, no, because China are looking after themselves very well. But if I think I think she has got a point. If we can get in on the act in Africa, it is it is a growing economy. It's the only place in the world where the um, population is growing and is getting younger. So there are opportunities there for certain. Well, let's see if that works out. We're going to take some calls in a moment. 03444991000. On the benefits front, Mark says, surely if companies know that the government will pay their employees a top-up payment, then they won't pay them a decent wage in the first place. Well, I think there's some truth to that. I mean, yeah. I know that we've got the living wage now, we've got the, uh, you know, the, uh, the minimum wage and all of that, but people are getting... Uh, benefits because they're not making enough money in the workplace, which seems to me to be entirely wrong. Let's talk to Samantha, who's in Scunthorpe, and see what she makes of it all. Samantha, very good uh, afternoon to you. Yeah, morning. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for calling us. What would you like to tell us? Oh, well, actually, what you've just said has covered that a little bit. Um, it's about 
I know now that universal credit is being increasingly rolled out, but one of the benefits it replaces is working tax credit. Right. And, you know, there are quite a number of people out there as well who, you know, they could go out and do a job and yes. probably get a slightly better wage, but they, they'd rather stay at home and do something. Well, and I'm not belittling craft people here, but people who craft and things like that, you know, they, they'll do that job. And they'll work a certain number of hours, and then the government would top it up with working tax credit. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I guess many of us would like to do something that we'd much prefer to do and be able to have our wages topped up like that. You know, it, it's, it's fine, but... It seems like a know, mad it seems like a mad idea to me, Samantha, because, I mean, I don't... You can maybe tell me. Do people actually, say, take a job knowing exactly what the top-up will be from the tax credits then? Well, I don't know exactly about that, but I do know that there are people who do jobs that... And I know several crafters that do this, and, you know, it, because it suits their personal circumstances more, mm. and they can do that, then they've gone ahead and done it, you right. know. A yeah. job where, whereas, really, they could go and do a job that would probably pay them more, and then they wouldn't be as reliant on the benefit system. I don't mean that's everybody, but, you no, know... That's no, I, th- no I, th- that... I think it's a very good point. I mean, one of the things I know a bit about is the way it works in America, where you're not allowed to claim unemployment in America for usually more than about six months. So people tend to, and you might say that's a bit more of a brutal system, but people tend to find work because they have to. Mm, yeah. So I think the universal credit probably you know, might make some difference there as well. The other thing I just wanted to comment on, and it's not exactly related to that, but citizens' advice bureaus are closing in some areas, and that's not good, is it, for some of these people who need help and advice? No, why why is that then? Are they they saying they haven't got the funding or what? Well, I think so. Local government, isn't it, making Mm. that decision, really, which is um, they provide a valuable provision of advice where people can't afford to go to a solicitor, perhaps. I, I wasn't mean, aware. Legal powers, but they can help. Can't oh, they're they? very helpful to an awful lot of people. I'm sad to hear that because I wasn't aware, actually, Samantha, that they're that they're funded by local government. I thought they had a sort of you know national funding situation going on. Mm, well, in my area, yeah. uh, there, there is some changes coming along with citizens' advice. Right. But just to finish, can I ask you something? Just sure. to finish. Yes. So I can sense you're not a big fan of Theresa May. Who would you replace her with then? Uh, I would replace her actually, probably with Boris Johnson. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> what do you think of that? that um, well, I don't mind Boris Johnson, but um, I'm not sure as PM. I think um, he would. I think he would become a much more serious figure if he was Prime Minister. I think he would be forced into that, and he'd have to give up because you know this. But that's this not nonsense. a reason to give somebody a job just because you think they I'm might saying, grow I'm, into. Well, it. I, I, luckily, it's for you. It's not in my gift to give him the job, but I think he would be good at well, it. it. Samantha asked your opinion. Yeah. It's a valid question. I, th- I think he would grow into the job, and I think this buffoonery that he goes on with, that he practices mm. and pretends that he's a bit dopey, I think would disappear. And I think he's a very mm. brilliant man. I think he would do very well. I'm sure he is, but he doesn't help himself, does he, he by doesn't. doing that? No, he doesn't. No. You're absolutely right. Samantha, thank you very much for your call. Right. Uh, I love thank people ringing me up and asking for my opinion because uh, <laughs> Daisy never asks for my opinion. She just gets it because uh, she doesn't ask, and so I have to force it upon her, I'm afraid. But no, I think the thing about Boris Johnson genuinely is that, you know, um, the idea that he shouldn't be Prime Minister based on the fact that he is, one, uh, you know, too unserious is a nonsense because that's that's a manufactured thing that he does. And two, that he is somehow untrustworthy only interested in himself honestly i mean is he he telling me he's the only person who's ever going to sit in in downing street who was was a bit self-centered 
Yeah, but just because the rest of them are, are, you know, as bad or nearly as bad doesn't mean you have to respect him. I've I've lost a lot of respect for him. I used to think he was a lot smarter than he is, and I think he did a pretty bad job at the Foreign Office. More um, based on what? Well, based on the number of blunders he made. I mean, even looking at you know yesterday um, at Nazarene, um, you know, you can't blame him for that. I'm sorry. You can blame him for his appalling no. evidence that he no. gave to the select committee where he no, said she can't. was a journalist no. and she then got hauled back to He um, said that she court. was teaching journalists, didn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Which, well, she does work for Thomson Reuters. But she it's had constantly, un- constantly denied. Her defence was base. He didn't read his notes. It was clear that he didn't read yeah, his notes. He is, went in totally yeah, but, yeah, unprepared. Yeah, but when you're dealing is, with people's lives rather no. than just elect me because I'm quite fun, it's much more serious. Yeah, it is much more serious, but there are many more issues around that story and you know very well that it's nothing to do with Boris Johnson and we don't know exactly why she's been locked up and you can't say that because the crazed Iranian regime has decided to keep this woman locked away from her family that they didn't use anything that Boris Johnson said. But he made it worse. No, he didn't. He did. They would have locked her up no matter what. crazy. He made it easier for them to be crazy and he made her life harder. Okay, anything else you didn't like? Yeah, loads that I oh, don't like. And loads. I didn't I didn't like the way he behaved during the referendum. I didn't like the way okay. he behaved over his own you know, ambitions. Uh-huh. And I just think he I think he started to believe his own hype about what a genius he was. And I just think he he did make himself look like a laughing stock. I always thought well I always kind of knew that there was more to him than than met the eye yeah um he was a very good mayor of London don't forget I think he was really suited to that yeah job. he was really good and at I that. think he was and really as he would be to being prime minister I think he's really unsuited to being foreign secretary maybe so but I think he'd be a great prime minister let's talk to Shirley who's in Birmingham hello Shirley yeah yeah hi Mike your friend Dave the universal credit guy yeah yeah um he reminded me of of, of Jesus, who said, the heart of man is above all, yes. evil and desperately wicked. <laughs> Very well remembered. Let me, let me tell you about universal credit. Yeah. The old system, you got job seekers if you're unemployed, but this is nasty. And you got housing benefit if you're unemployed. Now, if council charged you £100 for your housing benefit, you got it in full. Now, with universal credit, you get some allowance for being unemployed, but only a part payment. What do you mean? Oh, be... oh sorry. The old system, yeah. you got housing benefit. If the council charged you 150 quid rent, if yeah. that was your rent, you got the full 150. Right. That was done and dusted. The new universal credit, you only get a part payment for your rent. So if your rent is 150, you only get 60 quid okay. towards it. So how are you supposed so... to get the rest then? I don't know. And in Lewisham, there's been a horror story. There's been something evil that's happened in Lewisham. The single moms, they used to get 150 quid, you know, for their towel blocks. That was fully covered under housing benefit. Under universal credit, they get a part payment of about 55 quid and they've been evicted. Really? That doesn't sound right. No, it might be worth phoning Lewisham Council and saying, how many evictions do you have for non but, but you see, it doesn't make any sense, though, does it, Shirley? Because if you evict somebody uh, from a council property, it only yeah. means that they turn up at the council property later on that day and say, we're now homeless and they have to find them somewhere else to live. And it's even worse than that, because if you're a single mum and you're evicted, your baby's put in foster care. 
Yeah. So it's even worse. And here in Birmingham, the same old garbage is going on. I didn't even realise till somebody phoned the radio. The, I knew it was happening in Lewisham, but we haven't had the full rollout of universal credit here. Right. But they're doing the same garbage for those areas in Birmingham who have got universal credit. And the garbage is... You're in a council flat, it's 100 quid a week, you get full coverage under housing benefit. You put on universal credit and you only get a part payment, it's called a rent allowance. Right. Cause the, you, the, the, but surely the whole point of universal credit is that they're trying to get benefits all wrapped up into one payment. So I would have thought, I would have thought that the total overall payment that you get doesn't change, does it? Does change does because the housing benefit was full coverage. The rent allowance is only a part payment towards your rent. Right. And, and and worse than that, it's it's, it's completely stupid because if you go to the job centre and you get job seekers allowance, the girl or the lad is giving you one payment. Mm. But if he's got to give you your rent allowance, he needs your landlord, your tenancy agreement. How's he going to do all that? So you're simply putting what was done at housing benefit onto the lad or the girl at the job centre. How are they going to do that extra work? Yes, How I don't understand. Your, the whole system is a mess, Shirley, it seems to me. Absolute madness. But listen, thanks for your call. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now if there's a smile on my face, it's only there trying to fool the public. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number to call. We take a lot of calls today. We will take some more if we have time. We may not have time though, Daisy, because uh, we're going to talk about a very, very big story right now, which is that it's there is, the in fact, story. a massive uh, schism in the world of clowns. Clown wars are underway uh, because uh, one particular clown came out and said basically clowns are facing extinction because nobody wants them anymore. Instead, uh, they want to book people like Disney characters, you know, Marvel characters, instead of having children's parties where clowns appear. They don't want clowns anymore. Also, a lot of um, my kids go to parties where there's a you know a man or a woman with all sorts of reptiles and oh, yeah. snakes that they yeah, yeah. bring over the kids to We hold. had a bubbleologist at a party that Blimey. I went to recently. It was a guy who just blows sort of weird and unusual smoky bubbles, yeah. which the kids loved, I have to say. And he wasn't dressed as a clown. No, probably quite a cheap way also to make you just you just just need a, a, a bubble machine. Oh no, I think he charged quite a lot of money. I mean, he was, no, I'm saying know, for him. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's talk to Bibbledy Bob, who is a clown, uh, who is, in fact, one of the more famous clowns that we have in this country. Bibbledy Bob, a very good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon, Talk Radio. Are you dressed as a clown at the moment? Right now, in the centre of Nuneaton, working as a clown, um, in my clown car. Right. Um, right this second. Shouldn't you be in Westminster if you're working as a clown and with a clown car? <laughs> what, what on earth, when, when, you, when you say working as a clown, what exactly does that entail? Well, I'm driving around in my clown car today, letting people know that uh, Nuneaton Council have provided uh, bouncy castles and circus skills and balloon modelling and trampolines, all for the children. It's all free of charge. It's called um, Sensation Bounce, and there's lots of bouncy stuff going on and space offers, and it's all about bringing fun to people. And there is most definitely work for clowns, but more frustratingly, 
there seems to be no work for lazy journalists who can write in the newspaper. Uh, listen, I'm not having you. You might be a clown, Ability Bob. I'm not having you coming on here slagging off journalists. Because I'm, I'm one of them. Saying, I'm saying lazy journalists. Yeah, well, you can't, can't do, that's, to you, do their research. Well, who are you she referring said to? In this story, in the story, I've read the story today, and in the story, they talk about one type of clowning. Well, there's theatre clowning, uh, Cirque Soleil, the biggest global touring company in the world in entertainment. I wouldn't say Cirque Soleil is struggling. Uh, there's hospital clowns where people who are really poorly, children who are really desperately need entertainment, well, clowns go into hospitals and provide entertainment. Uh, clowns Without Borders is a group of clowns that go into war-torn areas. and They were in uh, the jungle in Calais when there was absolutely nothing but cardboard boxes for children. Uh, in the desperate times of winter, when they're freezing cold, clowns went in to entertain children there. So there are many types of clowns. Not yeah, but it's not journalists clowns. saying that clowns are going becoming extinct. It's another clown, isn't it? Um, he is saying that he is quiet, and and from what I've read in the article, he's very very wrongly saying that all of clowning is quiet. But that's just not. Yeah, true. but you can't blame journalists for reporting what no, another clown has said. Like you clowns a... need to get your what your act together and make sure you're all singing from the same clown sheet. Uh, well, in my defence, we are clowns, uh, so uh, it's highly uh, probable that we're going to mess things up. But on this occasion, I'm frustrated that uh, whenever there's a slow news day and people have got nothing to talk to, they, they, they come on and speak to clowns and say, oh, it's all it's all doom and gloom. I was listening very eloquently to you guys talking about the bubologist and the animal party yes. that now exists. When me and you grew up, I'm guessing there was Channel 4, Probably, if not, uh, there was just BBC One and BBC Two and ITV, and then we got Channel Four, then we got Channel Five, then we got Sky. But that's why Virgin, people are saying that clowns are a bit out of date, a bit stuck in the past, and not very modern. I think what's happening is just as everybody has got more choice these days, parents have got more opportunity. I live in Tamworth. There's a real snow slope. Twelve months Tamworth. a year, even in the middle of August, you can go skiing in Tamworth. Uh, there's 10 bin Listen, the first thing you should do is move out, outside of Tamworth, right? Because there's not too many clowns. There's not much to laugh about there, is there? Uh, Tamworth's a beautiful place to live. An historic place. Former capital of England. Have you seen the caravan uh, place there? You could get a free caravan if you go down there. You've clearly been talking to Alex, I'm telling you. Alex who? <laughs> <You've been speaking. laughs> Mr Alex Farrell you've been talking oh, to. Oh, him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said there was well, a great caravan site there. Oh, right. Well... There may, well, there may well be. Others, others are available in other towns too. OK. But now, surely surely, clowning. Clowns International, of which this guy Matty Faint is a member, right? Yeah. I don't know if you're... Are you a member of Clowns International? I'm the press relations officer of the Clowns International. Well, so you must know this bloke then. Well, why did you let I him talk to... I do know him. Well, I spoke to him this morning. Well, why did you let him talk to the Daily Telegraph then, if you don't agree with him? Um, I'm most frustrated about the things he said if he did say them. Well, you're saying he, did he didn't say, say them. them. I'm saying I, I have no idea because I wasn't at the interview. But what I am saying is, if he said those words, then it's frustrating because it, it may be his truth that he hasn't got any words, but okay. it's not so every clown's truth. How do, how do clowns settle disputes like this? Presumably there is a clown method of, um, 
of oh, settling. Oh, we can have a custard pie fight. They go we to the Clown Court, pie. obviously, yeah. don't they? Custard it's pie fight. It's a fights. show, isn't it, called Clown Court in the afternoons? We've, we've already been on Judge Rinder for once. We've <laughs> <got> <laughs> well, well, hang on. If you say, if you say that, um, uh, that you're doing what you're doing today as a clown for free, right, how are you making a living? I didn't say I was doing it for free today. Oh, it's I thought you said it was all free. free for the children. Oh, I thought you said I'm it was all free. For the children. Oh, right. Come on, now, Mr. Journalist, pay attention. Yeah, yeah OK. Uh, bye-bye, Bibbledy Bob. See ya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bibbledy Bob, cut him off. He's had enough time now. He's a clown, clearly an idiot as well. <laughs> and from Tamworth, believe it or not. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.